This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM 132. This is your host, Dr. Dawn Graham. And in my day job, I lead career coaching for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. We're excited to be bringing you all new content. So mark your calendars for noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific every Thursday and tune into channel 132 for the latest career tips, job search advice and market updates. And of course, a big shout out to Dion Simpkins, our engineer and Dana Cash, our producer for making this new content possible and being awesome partners as we creatively navigate our new temporary environment while we're out of the studio. So let's dive in. Today, we're speaking with Sue Marcus, the regional president at Randstad SourceRight North America, a global talent solutions leader driving the talent acquisition and human capital management strategies for the world's most successful employers. Sue's specialties include recruiting, staffing, sales, and operations. And today, she'll be sharing some interesting findings from their recently published report Job Skills in COVID-19, How the Pandemic Has Shifted In-Demand Skills. So we're so excited to have you on the show, Sue. And let's just get started with what prompted Randstad to release this report. Great. Well, hi, Don and listeners. Thanks for having me. Um, Really, we were looking, you know, we do a lot of market research um, and look for market insights. So first and foremost, our teams can be um, the most competitive in the recruiting world and making sure that we're adjusting to the market, um, adjusting our recruiting strategies uh, to do the best we can in the market. And with things changing on a dime, you know, from one of the most competitive markets we've seen, we really wanted to understand what that impact had been on the recruiting market and in the for job seekers. Um, so we all had our assumptions about what that would look like, but we really wanted to do an immediate deep dive about the impact um, that really the coronavirus had had. So that's, that's why we did it. We wanted to give employers um, and candidates a view as to what had changed, um, as well as Minthing to what we think will be um, some of the new normal coming out of this. Yeah, and I think that's super important, too, because I think we all have our assumptions, but I think when, when you look at the data, that some of those assumptions are confirmed, but there's other things that might be, be surprising. So I'm wondering if, if there was anything out of this report that was surprising that you didn't expect to find. So there was definitely a few things that kind of top of mind to me. I think there's a lot of research um, and trends that show that the software development engineering or engineering roles are still really hard to find and they are and still very competitive. 
but it did drop, you know, to see that the demand for software developers dropped pretty significantly was surprising to me, just knowing how competitive that space is. Um, now it's still competitive, so I don't want to imply that it's not, but it was, you know, just the fact that it dropped at all was a little bit surprising. Um, the other thing that jumped out to me um, as a bit of a surprise was that really the surge in retail management and well, you know, at some degree, it shouldn't be surprising knowing what was happening in the grocery stores and Walmart and Costco's of the world. Um, you know, the rest of retail was shut down. Um, so, and it was shut down very quickly, um, pretty dramatically across the U.S. to see all of those uh, retail stores closed, yet the offset of the demand in the um, more essential retail really offset that and to see that jump out as uh, assistant store managers was one of the biggest um, demand increases in the market was a bit of a surprise to me personally. So, so overall, um, yeah, and I think that's one of the things just before I move to the next question, actually, that we have to realize is that, you know, when, when um, you know, these industries are complex. So when one part goes down, another part goes up, that kind of skews the data. And so that's a really interesting finding. And I'm wondering, because I know listeners are sitting there thinking, uh, what, just tell me what industries have been most impacted. And as I'm going forward in my job search, what I should avoid and what maybe I should pursue so that I have the best chance of landing in a new job, but also in an industry where I'm not going to be at risk of getting laid off you know, in the, in yeah. the months. Well, great question, because that is, you're absolutely right. Well, we saw <clears throat> there's industry sectors even that have declined. You know, we've seen the top roles within their sectors may have increased. So it, it is complicated and it is, I think you have to look beyond the headline, if you will. Um, but I would say through this pandemic and what we're seeing, one of the industries that has probably, and again, not a shocking surprise, but the industry that has really stood out as the strongest is the pharma industry. Um, so life sciences, pharmaceuticals. Um, so there is over 130 clinical trials that the FDA is overseeing right now. Um, everyone is racing to find either the cure or the treatment um, or the vaccine um, for the coronavirus. So that has really propelled that industry. Um, and very specifically, uh, R&D, Research and Development Associates, as well as clinical trial managers. Those have been the biggest surges we've seen um, within that industry. So that um, definitely is an industry that is certainly worth exploring. Um, there are certainly transferable skills when you think about sales within that industry. Um, but I would say right now, you know, on the, the opposite side of that, one of the other industries that we're seeing that has been hit pretty hard um, has been the automotive industry. And that industry, um, I think the initial impact within the automotive industry happened in Europe where they were hit early on with, um, in addition to the coronavirus impact, some economic issues across Europe. 
Um, so we started to see the decline in that industry a little bit earlier. Um, and we saw some of the major um, players in that industry, GM, Nissan, Hyundai, Toyota, um, they really closed production or limited production and um, to protect their teams um, and their employees on site early on. Um, so obviously strong, robust industry that's been around for a long time and certainly they're still hiring in segments, um, but that we've seen probably the most impact. Yeah, and that, that brings up a good point because I feel like um, there's two things. So for the strong industries like pharma, I think people need to look at uh, the, the bigger picture. So maybe they're thinking, well, I don't have a background in life sciences or clinical trials, but it's typical that if an organization is hiring, that they're also hiring other peripheral roles. So if they're gonna be hiring more people, they're gonna need recruiters. And as you mentioned, Sue, they're gonna need sales and they're gonna need project managers and they're gonna need these other roles. So I think this is a really good time to think about if you are looking that it might be that it's time to make an industry shift. So I'm obviously big on career switchers. So yes. <laughs> yep. um, career switching can be industry switch, it can be a functional switch, it can be both. Uh, and I think that's a really important thing for people to be thinking about. And then you bring up the automotive industry, which has been hit much harder. And so I'm wondering, because again, this might be time for not only an industry switch, but a functional switch. What are some things that these individuals can be thinking of doing? Are there peripheral areas that, that individuals in this industry can take their skill sets and move to? And I, and I know the answer is yes, but I, I thought it'd be helpful for people who might be in that industry right now to do some brainstorming on air about, you know, where might they be able to move if this is a good time to make a switch? Because, um, you know, my follow-up question to that, Sue, is are these industries coming back? Because yeah. that, that is probably helpful information for somebody who is thinking, should I, should I hold out or should I make a switch? Yeah. So, well, I am certainly um, can't predict what we expect out of the automotive industry. I, I mean, they're a strong industry. They continue to, um, you know, drive for competitive and uh, innovation within that industry. So I don't think it's going away. Um, but is it going to be as strong as it's been with consumer demand, you know, impact and the impact of unemployment, you know, will it take a little bit longer to catch up uh, potentially? Um, and, and again, call outs within the, uh, the automotive industry, they are still hiring um, competitively and still pretty aggressively for um, IT software development. Um, and again, I think showcasing that's where the industry is going and, and uh, innovation to drive um, additional enhancements within their product. So I think it'll be a slower return for that industry. Um, but when you think about you know, what industries manufacturing is starting, I think we'll come back um, relatively quickly. And there's certainly transferable skills there. You know, uh, you've already mentioned that everything from finance to recruiting to sales, there's so project management, there's so many transferable skills, um, including IT um, and development engineering that can be taken to other sectors, whether it's defense, manufacturing, 
um, any number of those. So I do think that that's something people should be thinking about if they're ready to make that change or if they find themselves being forced to make that change. Um, you know, one of the other areas that we saw a surge in um, besides the pharma industry was the financial um, consultants and underwriting, which was, um, you know, another sector that I just want to call out to, you know, as people are thinking about if I need to make a change out of what I'm doing today. Um, again, a little bit of a surprise was to see a pretty significant shift in um, the demand for underwriting. And that was uh, a 50% increase. And that really is coming from the mortgage industry um, and people uh, refinancing right now. So that was a pretty significant demand that's happening as well as financial consultants. And the big driver in that is accounting, budgeting. Um, and you think about the spike in the retail industry, you think about the spike in pharma, again, they, they're going to need financial um, consultants, accountants uh, to help them in those industries as well. So that would be another area I would um, kind of call out as there is a need there and across industry sectors, people will be um, looking, that demand has increased. Yeah, no, that's great information, Sue. And hey, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on SiriusXM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham. And if you want to stay up to date on the latest career and job search news, tips, and advice, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham. And today, we're very fortunate to have Sue Marcus, Regional President at Randstad SourceRight, sharing what their research is showing regarding how the pandemic has shifted in demand skills. So Sue, as we're talking about, this might be a great time to make a career switch to a new industry or maybe a peripheral function. Some individuals right now are furloughed or they have been laid off. What are some ways or what are some things they can be doing to reskill or upskill from home? So great um, point. I think that's something that we all should take personal accountability for is to make sure that we are continuously um, upskilling ourselves and, you know, continuing to develop new skills. Um, and I think that's really where a lot of focus is um, in the industry, the employment industry, and employers are thinking about what their future looks like and where they need to um, help their own workforce develop. So I think at the same time, if individuals are taking that approach and making sure they're fit for the future, it's really important. So, you know, when you think about what are the demands for the future, um, it's in separate research, we've seen that certainly technical skills and being digital savvy um, and being able to work with different technologies is important. It doesn't mean you need to be a developer, but you do need to be able to work within um, different platforms and uh, different softwares. Um, so anything, there's a lot of online courses um, that are available and a lot that are available for free um, that you can really take advantage of. Um, so I would first encourage you to just do some research um, on the internet. You know, GoatMonster.com has available training 
um, for job seekers. Um, LinkedIn, even researching on LinkedIn, you'll find lots of different trainings that are available for people. Um, so those are, and there's many more options out there, but there is, that is available and you will find a lot of free resources available to people. Um, but the other area that I thought was really interesting about what is the, you know, what employers are thinking about, certainly technical skills is, is critical. Um, but the other area, which is kind of more near and dear to my heart, is more that emotional IQ and people who um, that's going to be important as well, because as work changes and tactical work is being automated, um, what is left is that more consultative um, interaction, personal interaction between whether it's coworkers or um, consumers, customers, patients, whatever it may be. And that's where that demand for those personal skills is going to be really important as well. Yeah, I'm going to echo that, Sue, because I think, I think what we knew even before the pandemic hit was that automation and technology was pretty much changing every job that was out there and that people needed to reskill and upskill specifically around technology if they wanted to just stay in the field where they were at the moment. But what we know is that this has pretty much skyrocketed um, over the last few months because now it's not optional. If you have any length of time left in your professional life, you are going to want to learn how to do new technologies. And I agree with you, this is a great time to be doing it because so many organizations are offering these courses for free to try and help people. I actually do LinkedIn learning courses myself and I know that they've, you know, while they're always available to premium users for free, they have opened up a lot of their LinkedIn learning courses for, uh, for free for the rest of the year on everything from, from the career space, which I'm in. So my course on the likability effect, for example, is free for the rest of the year, but also technology, how to do video interviewing, how to do mm -hmm. these different things that you might want to learn. And maybe you're thinking, you know, Hey, I, I, you know, I can't just learn coding, but I think that's the point you can. And these organizations out there offering these certificates, um, even if they're not free right now, this might be a great time to invest in completely reskilling your your portfolio because you know you don't you don't need to go back for a four year degree to change your entire career. I mean, learning coding, for example, is something that you can do on your own on your own free time and completely change your career. And I think this is a wake up call of sorts that you know we're not going back we're not going back yeah, exactly technology times and and don you bring up a great point about you know you can learn yourself and you can you don't need a four-year degree it's been an interesting interesting trend to see that there are really some of the key technology players but also many organizations outside of technology uh, you'll see are moving away just from hiring based on degrees. And so where that was a mandate um, early on that you had to have a computer science degree or you had to have this type of degree, companies are realizing that it's an aptitude. It's people who have the ability um, to do this type of work. And a lot of coders teach them 
teach themselves, a very high percent teach themselves coding um, and do so through online classes or, or different tutorials that they're doing. Um, and so you're seeing that companies in the hiring are shifting away from looking at the degree and looking at more assessments and using different online assessment tools um, to identify top talent who has that aptitude. It's so true. It's so true. And a lot of the big players, I mean, they're, they're, they're concerned more, can you do the work? Can you do the yeah. work? do the work um, and in technology it changes so quickly that even if you have a four-year degree in computer science a lot of that will have shifted in the workplace to something new so that's why I think this is a great opportunity if you're thinking you know my job was was not going anywhere or the writings on the wall that that this is an industry that is fading away that this pandemic may be a great wake-up call to you to say hey let me look at something else I'm interested in, see how I can reskill myself and pursue this opportunity. Because I think now more than ever, we're gonna see a lot more people doing that. Um, I'm also seeing a lot more people to completely change their career because they want to, to shift into an industry where they feel like they're having greater impact or, you know, they're, so they're looking at yeah. impact companies and they're saying, you know, um, looking at what's going on in the world, I, I want to do something that really aligns with my values. So we're seeing this a lot and I think it's going to continue, which is why if you're thinking of it, this could be a great time for you to kind of hop on this bandwagon and say, you know, what is it that I really want to do? Because this is probably the one year where people are going to be forgiving of gaps on your resume. Mm -hmm. They're very forgiving of people who've been laid off because of the situation. So definitely take advantage of that and get on the career path that you want to be in. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on careers, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham. We're here with Sue Marcus. Regional Vice Regional President at Randstad SourceRight, sharing what their research is showing about how the pandemic has shifted in demand skills. So we've been talking about upskilling, we've been talking about the industries. Let's kind of shift to to hiring. So companies that are hiring, um, they're doing this virtually. So what do what do job seekers need to know about how the hiring process has shifted, Sue? So it has shifted very quickly um, and. It's amazing to see how transformative um, this pandemic has been on the hiring process. So very large companies um, and some tech companies as well that have been resistant to video interviewing and have insisted on these full day on-site interviews really had to shift overnight um, to online video interviewing. So the whole hiring process has become very, um, well, has become virtual, very digital. So as we talk about, you know, making sure that we ourselves are able to work in a digital world, the hiring process is the first step of that. Um, so what you're seeing from the get-go is online interviews um, is number one. So there's really a couple different formats of that. It's either on demand, meaning someone can do a pre-recorded interview, video interview. So, you know, whether you're on your iPhone or at your laptop, um, it, companies will have set questions that they want you to answer and record. Um, and that's one vehicle that we see. 
has really been in place for a number of years um, in certain sectors and certain roles. Um, but it's really easy for candidates because they can do it whenever they want. So if they're working, they can do it in the evenings or on the weekends and submit that. Um, and then the, uh, the other side of video interviewing is just, you know, whether it's a, a Microsoft team meeting or a Google Hangout that you can just, um, or a modern hire interview that it's more of a one-on-one -on -one or a couple people on a video chat. So that online interview is definitely, um, everyone shifted very quickly to that. And I think what we are hearing and seeing um, with our customers is many are going to stay with that. Uh, it's cut down on the scheduling time to do that. You don't have to coordinate travel. It's cut down on expenses. Um, it's just easier to do and people are much more comfortable uh, with it than they have been in the past. So we're seeing companies who had been resistant to it, really seeing that it's, it's very effective. So that's, that's happened for sure. But I would also add, there's a whole lot that has transformed in the um, hiring process that has gone virtual. So when you think about hiring events, where it was a lot of people um, meeting, whether it be on campus or um, conferences or whatever it may have been, there's online event hiring now, um, which is great to see. And it has virtual lobbies and you can chat with recruiters on you know, real time. Um, and that's a vehicle we're using to hire. And again, just kind of showcases that the world has changed as to, you know, we can continue to do all of these things that we used to do, but just virtually. But you're seeing that kind of cycle through the assessments. Um, companies are still really focused on the candidate experience and making sure that the candidates aren't um, left not knowing what's happening with their status on um, an opening that they've applied for. So you're seeing whether it be um, AI come into play to help with chatting with the job seeker and providing updates or even screening um, and letting candidates know where they stand in the process um, all the way through to that onboarding process and being able to virtual virtually onboard new employees. And that's, a, that's, you know, when you think about bringing a new employee into an organization, there's a lot of, you know, what great organizations want to do is very quickly put their arms around that new employee and help them assimilate to the culture, get to know the people, get to know um, their way of working. And to do that virtually um, is certainly new for organizations. So the fact that there are um, technology platforms out there that can help, certainly, you know, I think the use of video, whether on conference calls has become the standard now um, being able to bring people into the organization that way is, is really powerful. Um, but companies are, instead of having that new hire lunch, they're promoting on social media their excitement about bringing somebody on board and giving that person kind of a social media um, recognition about coming onto the company. And they're setting up virtual meetings for them to meet the organization um, or virtual tours of the um, 
of the organization so that they get to meet key players, key departments um, virtually as well. So all of that, um, and it will continue to change and continue to automate um, as we move forward. Yeah, I think that that uh, brings us back to our point. We were just talking about, Sue, about technology, that it's being used from the very beginning of the job search process through throughout your entire career. And quite frankly, now that everybody is learning how to use these video conferencing platforms, the expectation is going to rise in terms of your competence with using them. So maybe before it was okay if, if you didn't know where the, the buttons were, you can adjust your volume, but that's no more. The expectation is going to be that you understand how to use these tools because chances are you're going to be communicating with others in the organization or your customers or vendors using these tools. So, so the interview has become an audition of sorts to see not only what skills are you bringing to the company, but are you proficient in the tools that the company will be using to communicate with its primary clients. And so I think this has, as you mentioned, has shifted and it will not be going back because companies mm -hmm forced to learn how to do this, they're actually getting better at it. And they're thinking, wow, this can save us a lot of money, a lot of time and resources, yet get the job done just as effectively. So they're going to continue to move in this direction. So if you do a video interview coming up, it is so worth your time to practice, understand the technology, do a test run with a friend and make sure you get it because there's so much in an interview you can't control that you wanna make sure you can control that. So, so as we're wrapping up, I have one last question to you that I wanna make sure we cover, which is, you know, we're hearing a lot more about reopening and, um, you know, offices are eventually going, going to be reopening. What can, what can employees who are, are eventually returning to the office, what can they expect about how things will be different within their organization as they, they kind of think about going back to the office? Yeah, so I think there's going to be a lot that's different. Um, I think first and foremost, I, with the exception of essential on-site work, so where you have to be there to do your job, I think most companies are going to do a slow reopening. Um, they're going to give people the option about coming back into the office. Um, and then at that time, they're also going to be looking at sh shifting how people come back into the office. I mean, our organization, for example, um, has an online schedule where you sign up to go back into the office uh, because they can't have too many people in at one time. So they're limiting the number of people who go into the office. So that will be different. Um, there you're going to see certainly the safety measures related to space um, and making sure people are socially distanced. But it's everything from when you think about when everybody goes into the office at eight, do you all have to get on an elevator? Um, and that's going to be problematic. So they're gonna to have to have scheduled changes. So maybe they're gonna stagger people coming into the office, um, you know, from seven until nine, um, if they're already, you know, if they do have a set schedule so that people can um, 
have that social distance, even just getting into the office. But certainly the sanitation by professional vendors is going to be important. Um, and that will be a big piece. I would think common areas, you'll start to see changes in those because it's going to be um, a concern about what people are touching and how often it's cleaned. Um, even what you have on your desk from personal items is going to be probably limited so that the um, professional sanitation companies that come through um, and keep the office clean and safe, they're going to need access and making sure that um, they can clean desks and workspaces. Um, but certainly the other big key is really the personal protection equipment. So, you know, most companies will be providing um, masks and or gloves different what's interesting right now and um, somewhat hard to keep up with is different cities and states have different regulations for what personal protection equipment is required to be provided um, but most are suggesting that uh, masks need to be provided in some places they're suggesting gloves as well that need to be provided um, and it's really, I think, going to be a very different way about when you think about bringing everyone into a conference room or having an all hands meeting and everybody coming into kind of a, a big meeting space that will continue to be limited um, for the time being. And I think where people can hold those types of events virtually, they will continue to do so. Um, and as I said, the other thing that I think we are seeing, and I would hope most companies will continue to do, is to be very sensitive to how employees feel about coming back into the office and the circumstances, their personal circumstances that may limit that. And I think you'll see that employers are going to be very flexible and very supportive. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about this. I know a lot of people love working from home. And then there's, you know, the, the flip side of people who can't wait to get back into the office. But as you're describing the environment, and I've, I've heard things about, you know, you have to wait 15 minutes between people to use the bathroom and, and yeah. all these, these details that I honestly think when we go back to the office, it's not going to be what, what we left. It's going to be very different from what we're currently envisioning and people may decide that working from, from <laughs> a better option because it's just less tedious and, and you're, yeah. the benefits of, of working in the office of maybe sharing lunch in the, in the common lunchroom. I mean, all of those are going away. So it'll be really interesting to see um, how, how that reemerges. But uh, Sue, thank you so much for taking time with us today. We really appreciate you sharing the, the findings from Randstad's report. And if people want to find out more, where is the best place to go? Uh, RonstadSourceRight.com. You should be able to find all of the research reports um, as well. My LinkedIn page um, has a lot of the research reports there and that's Sue Marcus on LinkedIn. Um, either of those, you should be able to find all the information. That sounds great, Sue. And of course, if you reach out to Sue, be sure to send a personalized message so she knows where you heard her. And hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM 132. And if you want to stay up to date, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham, or you can sign up for my monthly newsletter on my website, 
drdawnoncareers.com, where you'll also find lots of other helpful resources for your job search and career. Right now, we have to go to a break, but do stay tuned because we have lots more great job search and career advice coming right up. You're listening to SiriusXM 132. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 